We're going to give you a front row seat with Mark Fields from Ford. This is AutoLine. Even though the automotive industry is in shambles right now, there's a lot of good developments going on at the Ford Motor Company. The company's gaining market share. The people at Ford can look you straight in the eye and honestly say their quality is as good as Toyota's or Honda's. Suppliers say working with Ford is improving dramatically and it also has a bunch of good-looking products in the pipeline. But to get a better perspective as to what's going on at the company, I invited Mark Fields, the president of all of Ford's operations in the Americas, to come on the show today. And also joining us today are Gene Jennings, the editor-in-chief of Automobile Magazine, and Bryce Hoffman with the Detroit News. We've got a lot to talk about about what's happening at Ford, and we'll be back right after this. Visit our website for even more great content all week long. Autoline Daily, John's Journal, podcasts, and even more. So click over and get your all-access pass to the automotive industry at AutolineDetroit.tv. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion right now with Mark Fields, the head of the Ford of the Americas. Also joining us today, Gene Jennings from Automobile Magazine, Bryce Hoffman from uh, Detroit News. Great having you both here on the set too. But Mark, let's start out by saying what a lot of people are talking about. Chrysler and GM got some awfully good deals from the union, from their, their debt holders and the like. Now some folks are saying, oh, this is leaving Ford at a competitive disadvantage. How do you see it from your side? Well, we've, uh, we've been executing our plan for the last uh, three or four years or so. So a lot of the actions that you've seen you know, some of our competitors take, we've taken those actions uh, over the last couple of years. That being said, uh, we, have, we have always said that what's most important for Ford going forward is that as we talk to our various stakeholders, whether it be the union or our suppliers or dealers or, or whatnot, that it's extremely important that Ford Motor Company stay competitive and not be disadvantaged. So we're going to focus on the things that we can control, focus on being competitive, and focus very much on taking decisive action to make sure that we can remain competitive and continue to bring out great products. But is it realistic for you to go back and ask your debt holders to shave even more off? I think, you know, as we look at every element of our business, we, you know, we haven't, we haven't uh, ruled out anything in terms of making Ford Motor Company competitive because we realize it's a bit of a moving goalpost these days. So we have to remain f flexible. But I think very importantly, we have to make sure that we have an ongoing dialogue with all of our stakeholders and not just have a dialogue with them when we have, a, when we have an issue. We do that with the UAW, we do that with our suppliers, our dealers, uh, and we're going to continue to that going forward. Prior to the UAW's uh, recent agreement with GM, Bob King, the, the vice president of the Ford section of the United Auto Workers Union, said that he was prepared to give you parity at least with, with what the union gave to your crosstown competitors. Do you feel confident that you can go back to the union at this point? And, and renegotiate the terms of your VIBA deal? Well, the type of relationship that we have with the UAW, as I mentioned, is, is one that uh, we don't just you know, have discussions with Bob uh, when there are issues. Uh, we review the business with them every month, and you know, we're all aligned. We have a vested interest, common vested interest, 
in making sure that Ford Motor Company is not only competitive, but is successful going forward. So in the discussions that we've had with, uh, with Bob King and our union colleagues, it's all been around being competitive. And we look at that every month. And if we see that there's opportunities where we might be disadvantaged, well, we're going to engage in those discussions in a collaborative way to make sure that Ford Murder Company is not uh, disadvantaged. I would think that you have some advantage in the product um, line right now because as these other two companies are busily trying to keep themselves in business, you're just moving ahead like a like business as usual. Talk about that a little bit. Well, we've uh, it's it, it's very important, but main element of our plan is to make sure that we bring great cars and trucks to the marketplace that you know people really want and value. And we've been implementing this plan for the last three or four years. Actually, you know, we were criticized I think about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, when outsiders were telling us that our product pipeline wasn't full. And you know the proof is in the pudding now, not only the vehicles that we've had just recently introduced into the marketplace, but vehicles that are coming, like the new Taurus, which is coming, like the Mustang, which is launching right now, the new Fusion. So I guess the, the bottom line is we are, our goal is to not be distracted. It's about making sure we bring these great products to the marketplace, because at the end of the day, that's what matters to customers. And at the same time, make sure that the business improves its competitiveness and its profitability. I just want to step up and say, I was one of the people who said the pipeline was not full. And it wasn't. I mean, there was a lot of black holes in there. And your, you know, your focus in Europe, we know that they were um, on different tracks from the focus in the United States. And you really did, in the face of the troubles, step this up a little bit. Well, I think you admitting that. Come on now. Well, we're you know we're absolutely we're uh, we're you know our, our mantra is good is not good enough for our products because clearly on the truck side we're recognized as an industry leader. Our new F one fifty is doing very well in the marketplace and gaining share. On the car side, we're doing really well with our new Fusion. But as we bring the Mustang on, uh, the Fiesta that's coming uh, next year, the Taurus that's coming this year. We want to be known as a company that not only uh, is, is a great truck and Mustang company, but is a company that's known for great world-class cars that have great quality and, 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 and best-in-class fuel efficiency. So delivering that every day we walk in the door, we're focusing on that. And the good news is we're starting to get rewarded uh, from customers on that. Our retail market share is up six out of the last seven months. That gives us a lot of uh, en en enthusiasm and encouragement in, in, in the company to continue to focus on what matters to customers and what's going to put a smile on their face. Well, your, yeah, your turnarounds are all going to be hinged on getting more revenue coming into the company. And uh, you know, some of the sales forecasts that Ford had talked about was figuring we'd end this year 10, 10 and a half million. We're not even up to 10 yet. So are you going to have to adjust your plans because the company has always said, look, we got plenty of cash to get through 09, but if the revenue is not coming up, how do you get through 2010? Well, you're, you're, you're right in that we've called a range for this year between, actually it's a pretty wide range compared to calls we've made in the past. It's from anywhere from 10.5 million to 12.5 million. And you're right, we're, uh, we're, we're tracking in the first uh, four or five months of this year uh, just about 10, a little bit below. Clearly, we still have you know a number of months left in the in the in the in the year. Uh, we're encouraged by the fact that you know again because we're, we're launching all these new products into the marketplace, 
our market share is growing. So as we look at the industry call and we look at the effects on the business, there's a lot of variables in there. It's not only the size of the industry, it's what the market share, what our market share is, and we're, we're doing very well in that regard. What's happening with the segmentation? Because clearly, you know, depending upon selling more trucks or less cars or vice versa, that has an impact. But we look at that every month, and even if it comes in below 10.5 million uh, units, we're going to continue to take decisive action to make sure that we remain absolutely on track for our, our commitments that we've made publicly. And we'll see what happens in the rest of this year. Lots of variables. Uh, there's the fleet modernization or the scrappage program that's, uh, that's uh, working its way through Congress. There's uh, all the, the consumer confidence numbers are ticking up in the last three or four months. Purchasing managers index, housing, a little bit of mixed signals. But still a lot of runway left to run in the, this year. Mm -hmm. But to John's point, you know, you guys are, are, are walking a bit of a fine line, aren't you? On the one hand, you are, you are gaining market share. And the data that we've seen recently shows that there's been a, almost a tectonic shift in, 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 in some parts of the country in terms of people coming out of GM and, and Chrysler products into Ford products because of the, their concerns about the future of those, of those companies. But at the same time, you're far from out of the woods, too. And is there a danger that as you project this confidence and, 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 and tout your ability to move forward without taxpayer aid, that if you do end up in a position where you are backed into a corner, that you may, you may kind of suffer doubly as a result of, of having kind of beaten your chest a little bit? Well, I think you raise a, a very good point, Bryce, because uh, our, our whole approach in the business is we want to be confident, but we have by no rights to be arrogant. Uh, we realize that you know we're still you know have a long way to go in terms of getting back to profitability of the, as a business. We're seeing the vital signs of the business as measured by share and our and the trend of our financial performance, our quality improvements. We're seeing the vital signs actually all point in the right direction. But there is nobody running around the halls of Ford Motor Company with the with the with the, the big victory flag saying, "Look at us." So I think the balance going forward is to remain uh, uh, humble, uh, but also at the same time be confident about where we're heading in the future because having that quiet confidence, I think, gives our people encouragement, gives our dealers encouragement, and hopefully gives uh, folks reasons to come into our stores when they see these new products. But we are absolutely focused on monitoring the market every day, every week, every month to make sure they remain on track and we don't get distracted or arrogant. I was a little shocked to read a story in the local papers um, recently that Ford's efforts to um, get customers, gain conquest sales from GM and Chrysler was, it was taking advantage of them in a bad time. Well, I think, you know, we're, we're in the business, obviously, of selling cars and trucks. We have a bevy of all these new products that are coming out from our pipeline. And it's really important for us to get that message out. Uh, at the same time, if there's customers out there that feel maybe a, a bit abandoned or uh, a, a bit uh, troubled about some other companies, you know, it's, it's important for us to present our products and, and make it easier for them to come over and, and consider and hopefully ultimately purchase a Ford product. But, uh, you know, this is, this is a business that has done targeted marketing for, for many years. Uh, so from that standpoint, where that there's no change there, but we really want to give people, uh, make it easier for them to come and, and, and purchase a Ford product. Speaking of purchasing, what are you going to do about your dealers? 
that's a kind of broad question, I should say. You know, we're seeing the right-sizing of dealerships. We all know there are too many dealers. And uh, what are you guys going to do about that? Well, about a bankruptcy to allow you to kick them to the curb. Well, first off, we would, uh, you know, we would never kick our dealers to the curb. Oh, we, God, I we, hope we, we spend a lot of time, as I mentioned, uh, with all of our partners uh, in collaboration. And deal, we have always said. Dealers, our dealer network is one of the true strengths of Ford Murder Company. Uh, but, you know, very importantly, we started working with our dealers about three years ago uh, and going and saying, listen, we, we need to uh, reduce the size of our dealer network because we want to make sure that every one of our dealers uh, has the right sales throughput, which gives them the right profitability so the dealer can get the right return on investment. So we've actually reduced our dealer ranks about 15% in the last three years, but we've done it in collaboration with the dealers. Uh, and you know, we'll continue to work that uh, in the future as we look at the industry size, our market share, and making sure that we have a right-sized dealer network. We don't have a number locked away down in the basement of World Headquarters saying, here's how many dealers we want to get to, because it is a bit of a moving target based on those elements I mentioned. But clearly, we're going to continue to work collaboratively with our dealers to make sure we have independent and profitable dealers and have the right throughput. I agree with you that Ford's done it the right way, and I think your dealers would back that <clears> up too. But you've just seen your competitors, GM and Chrysler, shave a whole bunch off for no cost at all. I mean, they're driving people literally out of business. Mm. A lot of these dealers are losing everything that they ever put into it. And so I, I love hearing you talk about how you're going to work your way through, but here again is where two of your competitors have just been handed a major competitive advantage in that regard for no cost. And 15% seems like almost attrition. Well, when you, it's, 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 it's a bit more than, than attrition. But, uh, you know, we've done a, a lot of analysis, again, looking at what our call for the industry is going forward, looking at our market share and what we plan to do with that based on our product pipeline. Uh, and based on that, when we look at the throughput metrics, well, we're, we're going to be very, very competitive. But well, I you're think already very about 50% higher than your competitors right now before in, this. In be, terms of? In terms of average, average annual sales from the data I've seen. Right. You're about 300, and, and GM and Chrysler, Chrysler's about 200, GM's about 220 before this action. That, that's correct. And we, and we have to make sure that when we, we throw around numbers around uh, sales throughput, you really have to uh, segment it into the major urban areas. Mm -hmm versus the rural dealers, because one sure. of our strengths is our rural dealers, and of course the sales throughput there is, is smaller given the market area. Well, that's the thing, is a lot of people who, who are kind of new to the industry in the, in the kind of national media that have kind of turned their attention to Detroit in, in, in the wake of the recent troubles, have kind of compared your throughput and, and to Toyotas and Hondas, which are dramatically higher. But I think that, that as I understand it, Toyota found that one of the difficulties they had competing with you in the truck market is they didn't have the rural dealer network that you have. In a lot of places in this country, there may not be a Walmart, there may not be you know, a, a Costco, but there's a Ford dealer and they've got a pickup truck for the local farmer that they can go there and get. And, and that's one thing that the foreigns really don't seem to be able to compete with you on. And you raise a really good point, Bryce, because with the automotive industry, every day either on the front page of the, of the newspapers or on the front page of the business section. It's really important for, for us who are in the industry that when we talk with folks who aren't necessarily as you know, uh, up to date or as informed about the auto industry, 
to be able to lay out the facts so that you know we can get those facts uh, across to the people of, of the of the United States in a in a, in a very uh, balanced way. And you know, on the issue of the dealers, getting back to your point, John, I think very importantly, relationships are very important in this industry, and particularly our relationships with our dealers. Because every day a customer comes into our dealer, they're not only walking into you know, John Smith Ford, they're, work, they're walking into Ford Motor Company. So we've chosen to make sure that as we look to right-size our dealer network, to do it in a collaborative fashion, so that at the end of the process, there's no bitter taste in any of our, whether the dealers that are still with us or even the dealers that have opted not to continue in the business because we want people to be fans of Ford Motor Company. Is it a bit of a challenge for you, though, to, as, you, as your competitors at GM and Chrysler move to shutter some of their excess dealers? Some of those dealers are Ford dealers, too. And maybe the ones that they have decided that they don't need are not necessarily the same ones that you don't need. But I'm hearing from some of those dealers that without the, the GM franchise and without the Chrysler franchise, they can't stand alone as Ford dealers necessarily. Is that a concern? Well, uh, it's a it's a bit of concern, not a, not a great concern. We've done you know our analysis, uh, and there are some dealers, some of our dealers who uh, you know are dueled with a Chrysler dealership or a General Motors dealership, but the total is 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 quite small, and you know clearly on a case by case basis we'll we'll deal with that. Uh, again, it comes back into making sure that you're working collaboratively in whatever market area, whether it be a multi-point urban market area or a rural market area, to make sure that we, we have the right representation. But our team, our sales and marketing team, has done a very, very good job on identifying the universe of, of those folks who, who are attached to either a General Motors or a Chrysler dealership, and uh, we'll deal with that on a case-by-case -case basis. I have a question. Um, totally unrelated to this. Let's talk about Marchione and his plan for world domination. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of his statement and belief that to really make it in the next, the next kind of climate of, of uh, the car business, you have to sell six million cars a year? Well, I, you know, I don't, uh, ascribe it to a certain number like six million. I do think there is a very valid point that to be competitive in the industry going forward you have to have scale because you have to have you have to have first and foremost appropriate revenues and I just keep bringing it back to our plan. Let's use the uh, the focus as an example uh, as we bring out our next generation focus which is going to be based on a, a global platform. Clearly we need to make sure that we have the right scale and uh, with that kind of platform around the world, we'll have scale of about two million units. So there's a scale around material costs that are necessary to provide the value to customers, scale around engineering, scale around tooling, that's very important. At the same time, you also have to make sure that you have the appropriate revenues. So that's why we've been so focused, for example, on our products going forward, making sure that um, we have great fuel economy, that we have the best quality, that we have the right smart features that will not only please customers, but they'll, they'll be winning, willing to pay for those. So I think there, there is definitely an argument around this industry that says you have to have scale. I think the real key is how do you get that scale? Do you do it on a, a Olympic dive of a 2.4 degree of difficulty or a 3.9? Our choice very clearly is to, to focus on Ford uh, and make sure that you know we reduce that degree of, of difficulty because 
We're around the globe. We're focusing on the Ford brand. We're focusing on global platforms. And it's, it's, it's a lot easier to get that scale and to coordinate that scale. You would think GM would have already been there since they lined up all their factories they, the way they did several years ago. They seem to be ahead of the curve. Well, again, I can't speak to, to General Motors' situation. All I can tell you is the transformation that we've gone on as a business over the last couple of years is really to go from a, 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 a global company that acted regionally to a global company that is acting global. And you've got you know, you to change some, uh, some, uh, some patterns some, uh, in terms of the way you think about the business, which uh, we've done as a team over the last couple of years. Well, it's really a fundamentally different paradigm between what Marchione is trying to do and what GM was trying to do and what you're trying to do now. I mean, you have the house of brands approach where, where you ha have you know, Fiat trying to assemble a, an arsenal of brands, if you will, and you guys are shedding brands. Uh, you're shedding everything except except Ford and and uh, and Lincoln and, and perhaps Mercury, and uh, it's really a different approach. Why do you think your approach is the right one? Well, I think first and foremost is because we have a brand that's known around the world. The Ford Oval, uh, you know, we talk about polishing the blue oval. That oval is literally in every part of the world. So first and foremost, we have a brand that fundamentally is recognized around the world. And that is a very, very good platform to start from. Secondly is when we look around the globe, we have pockets of excellence that when you add it up, really you know, allow for, a, we hope, for a successful global enterprise. For example, we have great expertise in trucks here in the United States. Well, what's happening in the U.S.? The market is shifting uh, you know, towards more cars, towards more fuel efficiency, smaller cars. Well, guess what? We have this great pocket of excellence of world-class small cars in Europe. So we're able to take advantage of the pockets of excellence that we have in the world. So we make one plus one equal three. <clears throat> so I think when you look at the fundamentals of uh, how you build a, a successful car company, global car company, we have the elements of that. Uh, and now our, our opportunity is to make sure we make that, that sing and that we're all kind of singing off the same song sheet to make sure that you know, we get the scale, but most importantly, we bring really compelling products with great fuel efficiency and uh, great quality and head-turning design. Mark, uh, we're down to the, the very end hit right here, and you, you're bringing in some terrific small cars. I had a chance to drive the new Fiesta. It's dynamite. You must be worried, though, will Americans buy enough of these things, especially with where gas prices are? Well, clearly, you know, sitting today at $2.50 a gallon uh, is a little bit different than sitting here a year ago when it was over $4 a gallon. And we saw the market shift very, very quickly. But I, we actually feel very good about where we're at for a couple of reasons. One is these are world-class small cars. This is not, well, you know, let's give it the old college try and hope for the best. They're proven in, in one of the most competitive small car markets in the world in Europe. Um, secondly, our view is you know, uh, gas is a non-renewable resource. So over time, the price is going to go up. And most importantly, uh, just last week, you know, the president uh, announced that, uh, I guess I would call it a framework for a, 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 or a path, a framework for a pathway towards a, a one national standard on fuel economy and CO2 or greenhouse uh, gas emissions. And that provides us a lot of certainty and clarity and a little bit of flexibility going forward. And with that, we're going to have to cut it off right there. But Mark Fields, thanks so much for coming on AutoLine Detroit. Gene and Bryce, thank you guys, too. We're going to leave these cameras running. You'll be able to catch more of this discussion on our website.
As I mentioned on the show, we have a lot more of our discussion with Mark Fields at our website, AutolineDetroit.tv. And if you need more than a weekly dose of an insider's view of the auto industry, check out our daily newscast at AutolineDaily.com. It's a six-minute daily webcast of what's going on in the global automotive industry. Then on Thursday nights at 7 p.m., it's time for AutoLine After Hours, the first live webcast dedicated to the automotive industry. My co-hosts for that show are Peter DeLorenzo, the publisher of AutoExtremist.com, and Jason Vines, longtime public relations executive, who both bring a lot of experience to the discussion. But anyway, that wraps up this show. For all of us here at AutoLine Detroit, thanks for watching. We'll see you next week.